Welcome to the Women in North American Aquaculture podcast, where we talk to influential women about their experiences in research, entrepreneurship, innovation, and mentorship in the aquaculture industry. My name is Jean Codin, and I am the digital editor of Aquaculture North America. We have a second in-person interview in a row. It still feels really special to be able to meet people face-to-face again. And in this episode, I sat down with Megan Sorby, who is the operations manager of Kingfish, Maine. She is overseeing a huge recirculating aquaculture system in Jonesport, Maine. And we talked about all the different moving parts that goes into building a facility from the ground up. I want to go straight into the interview, so I'd like to thank our program sponsor, Mark Animal Health. Together, we can ensure welfare and sustainability for aquatic species. Now, please enjoy the Women in North American Aquaculture podcast with Megan Sorby. So welcome, everybody. And first of all, welcome, Megan Sorby, to our podcast. This is only the second time that I've been able to record an in-person episode. And it's so much nicer. I, I wish I could do all all of my podcast episodes in person. So thank you for being here. Uh, It's so exciting to be here. Thank you so much for asking. Maybe some context for our listeners is that we are currently at Hilton Head Island for RASTEC 2022. And Megan Sorby was our keynote speaker and she did a wonderful job. Um, I wish you could have all been there, but she was really great. Technical issues aside, which is which I blame my laptop for, but she handled it like a pro. Um, how how was your conference? How did it go for you? This is a great event. I know it's only the second second one now, um, and being able to be here with our friends and colleagues after COVID has just been awesome. You know, being in person again. You know, everybody's a bit fumbly. You know, trying to uh, get back to used to being in in big rooms with lots of people. You know, we've all been sequestered and talking to fish. <laughs> so it it um, it takes some getting used to and retraining your brain. Like, hey, this is how you mingle again. <laughs> this is how you be social. And yes, <laughs> it's true. So, but it's been great. The content has been fantastic. People are sharing, you know, what's going on for them, big challenges. Um, and um, hopefully we can continue to grow it from here and um, get more and more participation. But Tons of operators here, tons of suppliers, so it's been great. Yeah. The whole kind of intention of your keynote speech is kind of getting an update about what's happening with Kingfish, Maine. And Kingfish, Maine is one of those um, RAS facilities that people are looking to to be on a commercial scale. I've been really interested in terms of what has that been like to kind of go through the process from the ground up. Well, I've... From my personal perspective, it this is this is an operator's dream. You know, so often, um, you know, from the time you start in aquaculture to you know, throughout your career, you're coming into a facility after the fact. So it's changing things around or running things, you know, in the way that that you think will work best. Um, but it is um, it's both exciting and totally overwhelming to have a complete blank slate. Um, We obviously, with the Kingfish Company, have our original site in the Netherlands, and 
there's a lot of pieces of it that are already designed and that we're just bringing over to this new facility, but there's also the little nuances of this site um, and, and the limitations and opportunities on it to, to innovate and do some things differently. But um, so I, th I think it's a, it's a, a balance point of, of, you know, all the normal things that you know how to execute. And then it's like, Here's, here's this little tweak, what can you do with it? So, and there are so many options nowadays um, and the tech just keeps advancing, you know, so, so um, it really is an exciting time. Yeah, definitely. And recirculating aquaculture, we've been talking about it for the past two days. And even within, among these speakers and among these sessions, um, you get that sort of running theme between the different suppliers and the different specialties of like, please include us on day one of development. And um, what has that been like balancing all of these elements? You're basically needing to kind of have a full picture from day one, right? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of moving parts. You have so many people and teams participating in a in a big facility i mean even in a small facility you're still sitting there with your tank supplier your oxygen supplier um whoever's bringing in your pipe your filters and th those could be all separate companies it could only be one or two um but it's it is ultimately team management you know just um bringing everybody together getting everybody on the same page with scheduling and you know we got to put this in first before we do that and it's um it, it's a lot but i think um a lot of operators are starting to take a lot of this in-house because they realize this isn't going to be just one site they want to develop lots of them and so being able to to do that and then move it to the next iteration is um, is something that's uh, so key so they everybody started to, to do a lot more for themselves but hopefully everybody continues to share their experiences I think that's the big um, takeaway is that um, we're all experiencing some of the same challenges like bringing in t different teams and supply chain issues and what filtration is working for this problem or not working for this problem um, and hopefully all of us as operators continue to share those both the successes and the failures so that we can all be kind of rooting for each other to succeed because that's what we really need in this country yeah for sure and if one operator succeeds it all kind of the whole industry succeeds in a way right oh yeah definitely you know I think um, even even if you're raising the same species um, it while there is competition there I think it's um, particularly right now there's there's healthy competition everybody is is working towards the same goals um, but RAS right now, there are still a lot of things to figure out as we get into this, the new scales that we're all talking about. You know, um, it's bigger than it has been in the past. And so sharing some of those experiences, like I said, the successes and the, the challenges um, will be key. And, and as you said, when one succeeds, it gives all that investor confidence, all of that public perception confidence that this is something that is gonna work and is as crucial for us to continue to have a sustainable seafood supply. Um, you mentioned team management, and I'm, 
interested to know what you think the key is to that because essentially they're all um, they have they all have their own specialties but they all have to serve you know your one vision of what Kingfish Maine is going to be so what has that been like and what has been the key to kind of balancing out all the those different teams finding people that are open to working with different groups you know um, we've been really lucky in the partnerships that we've built um, and continue to find new and great partnerships where um, people are just anxious to be involved um, and so they may not have worked with this other supplier before or they haven't worked with this brand before but um, everybody shares that same enthusiasm for the build and the development and um, and they kind of put all of the rest of it aside which um, is really great to see it's um, it's that the enthusiasm that you were talking about that we've seen the past two days here where everybody's just so it's just so pumped to, to be getting going that um, I think everybody's kind of put any any ego aside and it's like let's work together and, and do it see what we can do together for people who don't know a lot about Kingfish Maine, what is, where are we now, what stage are you in in terms of development and um, kind of tell us what sort of the end game or the end vision is going to be for Kingfish Maine. Yeah. Um, so Kingfish Company, um, we are, we've been in the Netherlands since 2015 um, and in our, in our third round of expansion there. Um, and over the past almost three years now um, we've been in Maine um, basically in the development pre-construction phase so going through all the permitting process which is lengthy um, but it's really given us the time to um, get solid design together um, have a really good vision for what um, we can do on this site um, and to apply some improvements that we saw necessary from operating in the Netherlands um, to this design. Um, we're going to locate in Jonesport, Maine, so this is uh, down east Maine. Um, great community, full of awesome people, um, and really some fantastic um, support. They see um, synergy and, and um, uh, kind of good collaborative um, presence from Kingfish with what they do, which is largely lobster fishing. Um, and I think they see it as a, as a good resiliency point for the future, which is everybody's focus now post-COVID is, is a real um, highlighting where resiliency is, is set and where it's not. <laughs> um, but once we set up, um, full-scale operations will be six to 8,000 metric tons um, of yellowtail kingfish and hopefully all um, the whole process on site. So um, hatchery all the way through to processing. Um, and it'll be really exciting. There are some um, there are some really cool improvements that are part of this facility, and so far, just the design process alone has been an adventure. I'm curious about sort of the ratio between, you know, the lessons learned with the Kingfish Company Netherlands facilities versus how unique, like, um, how much of the model of the Netherlands facilities is coming to Jonesport, Maine, and how much of it is unique to that particular system? Our RAS technology and, and the systems that we use, all of that is, is coming here to the U.S. Um, and really, um, the improvements are ways that the building is oriented or um, certain fixtures, the way, we, um, the way we set something up that are really just answering 
um, site-specific problems um, or problems, issues. Uh, what's the best word for that? Challenges. <laughs> Not problems or issues, but the things that, that are different. Um, and I, for example, you know, in the Netherlands we have um, a fairly narrow range of water temperatures that we see. The fluctuation isn't that great. In Maine, we're obviously dealing with a much colder profile. So um, one of the things is implementing a, a much larger heat exchange system um, dealing with both active and passive heat recovery. So to make the most of the energy that we're putting into the systems in terms of temperature control, but making sure that we recoup as much as we possibly can um, in terms of uh, it, before that water goes out of the facility again. Um, so things like that. Um, we also get to do some really cool things. I talked about um, during the speech on Tuesday, I, I talked about um, our intake and discharge pipes um, we're implementing um, a technology called e-concrete into our um, anchoring blocks. This is habitat creation, which is a really cool um, application of this technology. And um, we're excited to work with this group um, to be able to uh, put something back for the environment, for sure. So little things like that. Yeah, for sure. And for the record, I'm okay with the word problems because it's all about problem solving, right? The whole process. <laughs> very true. Very true. Um, I'd like to know more about, you know, sort of your origin story in the aquaculture industry. Like, how did you come about? Uh, well, how did you come to the industry? Um, I, well, I went to the University of Miami. Um, I was always interested in um, studying marine biology. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. Um, and I did an internship um, at Moat Marine Lab and really just fell in love with it. Um, it was an opportunity to get to work with the animal every day. And um, you, you still got to do something different every day. You weren't just a biologist or a chemist. You were also a plumber, sometimes a light electrician <laughs> um, and, and really got to to wear some different hats um, and really understand the animal that you were working with um, which I didn't feel like you got in some of the other fields so it uh, it really drew me in and from then on it was a, a complete focus shift <laughs> what was your first job like my first job in aquaculture um, was actually um, I was um, a sophomore uh, at the University of Miami, and I went to work at the Aplesia Lab, um, so California sea hares or slugs, um, and they're grown for neural research. And uh, I worked for um, the head of that lab, Tom Capo, who's a fantastic guy, um, retired now, um, but an excellent teacher. And uh, the first day, um, they there was quite a group of us, um, and we were told to go spray out um, uh, one micron filter bags that were filtering out all the fecal material from the from the slugs and um, the next day only two of us came back so <laughs> so I guess that was the end of that one <laughs> you couldn't Survival scare us away yeah exactly <laughs> yeah but um, but I loved it um, it was the experience of um, of raising the animal all the way through and um, Luckily, I had the exposure um, to raising some different species, um, largely invertebrates, um, and then got into fish in my graduate program. Um, but it was a great, it was a great opening um, to the industry 
and raising animals for which somebody else is reliant on. You know, if, if we couldn't deliver, it meant that somebody's research was on pause, you know. Um, and so understanding that concept, um, particularly in, in um, farming a food fish, it's, it's the same thing. If, if you don't have product, well, it's, there's nothing on the market shelf, so... When was the point that you decided to, you know, start your own consulting firm? You started one with your husband, Tom. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what was that like in kind of making that leap of um, starting your own business, essentially? Yeah, I think we always, um, we always have been interested um, in so many facets of this industry. Um, we quite often would get asked like, oh, well, where's your, your focus area? Um, do you just do hatchery or do you do grow out? And we constantly say, well, we like all of it. Um, and it came about um, when we were doing some advisory work um, in the fish retail side, basically introducing aquaculture products um, to seafood suppliers and saying, you know, these are, these are, these are farms that are using best management practices or, um, you know, making sustainable choices. Um, and it just kind of grew out of that. Um, and so we, we really, um, it gives us the opportunity um, to see different projects, to understand different people's approaches to raising a particular species. Um, and you see so many consultants out there now, um, but really it, um, we all are, are circulating around and trying to um, to get as much information as we can um, out there to different projects, but also, you know, gaining and learning a lot ourselves. And ultimately, that's what all of us are, are trying to do. It's all a big learning process. Is that how you came to the Kingfish Company? Is that how they tapped you on the shoulder? <laughs> Um, it, it was, uh, it was actually that I was looking at, um, the Kingfish product for this seafood buyer, um, and, uh, the main person representing them at the time, um, had a conversation with, with myself and, and my, uh, husband and, and partner Tom, and, um, she called us back and said, hey, um, I talked all of this stuff about RAS, and turns out you guys, that's all you do. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, she said she introduced us to the team at Kingfish, and um, they were looking for some people to uh, spearhead the growth here in the U.S. And um, we uh, sounded like a fun adventure for us. So, and three years later, here we are. <laughs> was there any hesitation at all, or was it just sort of excitement? Well, I mean, we were living in Florida at the time, so trading Florida weather for uh, for Maine was a bit of a <laughs> a pause moment. But um, Maine is one um, beautiful state um, and has so much to offer. So, um, and we've lived all over, so it was a uh, it was a great move for us. Going back to your journey, um, you mentioned uh, Tom sort of in your first job. Or, I'm sorry, who was your mentor at uh, the first job that you mentioned when you were sophomore year? Yeah, you had it right. Tom Capo, who's great. <laughs> you have a lot of good Toms <laughs> lot, in your life. A lot of good yeah, Toms. Yeah, um, yeah I, I'm just curious about, you know, the mentors and the people that stood out to you and kind of helped you out in your journey. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, um, 
Tom Capo definitely had um, a big influence um, and always had a, um, a true passion for what he, um, what he did and, um, and it was infectious. Um, the other, I think, biggest inspirations um, along the way have been really my colleagues. Um, you know, I came um, to Australis Aquaculture in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts, at a time where there were loads of, of technicians um, that were all around the same age group and um, coming out of university or grad school. And um, it really was this mission to um, make everything run smoothly. Um, and so you saw all of this passion and um, all of this effort go in on a daily basis. And um, it really was, um, you felt a really strong team pull together to, um, to make things happen. Um, and we've really experienced that along the way. Um, and I've seen people come in um, to this industry that had nothing to do with fish for the bulk of their career. We worked with a, a guy, Rick Atkey, in British Columbia who used to drive trucks and then got into doing incubation of larval fin fish. <laughs> wow. And, um, and uh, Dr. Bryony Campbell out there who she knows more about fish brood stock than uh, I could hope to learn in 10 lifetimes. Um, but it's the passion that you experience with people working right alongside you that is the most uh, inspirational thing, I think. I'm curious about what your perspective is as a manager. Um, earlier on your career as a hatchery manager and now as an operations manager at Kingfish Maine, um, sort of what do you, um, how do you describe your role as manager and what kind of makes a good manager in your opinion? Ooh, that's a big question. <laughs> um, I think we always try um, in, in management positions, um, most of us try to make sure, um, number one, to, to bring your team members together, to bring the personalities together and, and um, realize that there's a common, common goal. Um, but the other piece of it is the fact that that job title is just a pair of words. Um, and at the end of the day, um, we're, all, we're all in it. We're all standing there, you know, trying to kick that pump and make it work or glue pipe together um, or, or get a permit completed and submitted. Um, and even though different people do different aspects of that, um, all parts of that job are your job, you know. Um, just because you sit in a management seat doesn't mean you're not still cleaning fish fecal material out of filter bags, <laughs> yeah. it's still your job. Um, I think that's the most important thing to remember is that um, in order to make it work, um, the, the job titles really mean not so much. Well, what has it been like to put a, a team together um, for such a big job as Kingfish Maine? Um, what, do you, what are you looking for in team members? And are you thinking about, you know, gender balance in that way or diversity um yeah just kind of what is your thought process in terms of bringing the best people together i think that's the the big challenge that we have going forward um all of the big RAS projects is we're all trying to identify the right skill sets that we need um, and where best to source that particularly here in the u.s where 
the whole industry is still in early stages in terms of large-scale installations. And um, I think we, we, as we build our team here in Maine, um, which is a great team, it's, um, and it really started from our one of our co-founders and now COO, um, Case Clute, who has um, a real knack for identifying personalities that mix together. Um, and so he started the basis of our team, um, both in the Netherlands and here. Um, and I think moving forward, um, as I said, we're just trying to identify the sources of where we can find the right skill sets. Um, and we know that there's a whole aspect that are the fish biologists, the people that have um, that background and experience in terms of animal husbandry, but we also, um, and just as importantly, need the mechanical side, people that have um, experience in process and, um, and engineering um, and simply just mechanics. Um, and that they're two very different skill sets, but both equally important in terms of this technology. What does the recruitment pool look like? Um, how diverse is it like what kind of people do you have access to when you're putting these teams together? Um, because skills and knowledge and experience is one side of it, but also, you know, bringing people of different backgrounds, um, um, different genders, um, different experiences. Uh, is that something sort of in your mind as well and how to strike that balance? Yeah, I think um, Maine is a, an interesting place uh, to be. It is... The, one of the oldest, if not the oldest, state in the nation. Um, and in the hiring process, um, I think that will be one of the things um, that we will have to focus on is the fact that we are going to have such an age range where you have students coming out of university that um, with degrees in aquaculture or um, in marine studies, um, but then you also have an older piece of the populace that's maybe transitioning to a new career field, um, either post-pandemic or um, just because maybe they want to get out of commercial fishing um, and, and change over. Um, and that's, that is this one of the, the spectrums. And then you talk about, um, um, you know, gender equality um, and, and different, bringing different ethnicities into the workplace. And those are things that we look for. Um, but uh, it's, it's always a challenge because right now you're just trying to pull in anybody that you can. And I think that's across all businesses um, is finding people that uh, want to do the work. So um, we try and target working with different, um, different ways of reaching those different, um, different groups of people. So whether that be through the university system, through the community college system, um, both of which are very strong in Maine, but also the general um, labor department um, and workforce development boards that are um, working hard to set up apprenticeship and training programs that will support operations like ours um, to find different people um, that, you know, want to get into this industry. We've talked a lot this week about, you know, women in aquaculture, and um, I'd love for people to hear in terms of your perspective why you think it's important for the women in aquaculture to kind of um, raise their hand and say, we're here. 
because we just can rule the world. <laughs> um, this is, as I said, this is such a cool industry and you get to wear so many different hats. Um, in the Netherlands, we have um, women across our team from the hatchery to the sales department um, to even being involved um, in construction. And um, that is so inspiring um, that we can, we, we are starting to see more and more of that rep representation. Um, and hopefully here in the U.S. we'll see the same. Um, you see shifts um, overall in uh, across um, different disciplines like aquaculture, engineering. You're starting to see greater representation. Um, and it'll be important going forward. Um, and it's just finding the ways that we can encourage it, whether it's through doing podcasts like this and making people, you know, aware that women are here, um, but, um, or just making sure that in your hiring process, as you say, that, um, you're, you're seeking out those, those people, um, you know, women that have, have the skill sets that you're looking for and trying to foster their leadership in your program. Um, you mentioned, um, an event? Is it an event or a networking um, opportunity for women in aquaculture around Maine? Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and um, why you decided to participate? Yeah, um, it's uh, Maine is, as I said, an amazing state um, with a fantastic reputation for um, products coming out of the water. So um, there are some amazing women um, leading shellfish farms, seaweed farms. Um, uh, an eel farm in Ras um, is, uh, she's just um, going to, I think in the next month, do ribbon cutting on her facility. And that's just so important to see. Um, and it not only is important to celebrate, um, but it also gives me personally um, that encouragement and inspiration, you know, to say, hey, there are other women out there that are really um, leading in our field and showing that we are all pretty, pretty awesome. Yes, absolutely. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit more about, um, you know, bringing your team and being the manager of um, all of these different groups, um, but especially the younger staff. I mean, maybe not the younger staff, but like people who are new to aquaculture, whether they're young or old or changing careers and things like that. Um, what is your approach to training those newer staff members? Um, we really try um, first to introduce um, kind of the company, uh, the company ethos, the, the, the goals that we have overall. Um, and a lot of the people that end up being part of our team um, that come from different backgrounds um, usually have some experience in some piece of it, whether, like I said, it's... Um, mechanical, you know, they know how to take apart a pump and, or a motor and put it back together again. Um, or um, they've worked in municipal wastewater treatment um, and are now interested in getting into aquaculture and specifically RAS. Um, so they don't have the biological piece um, to put to put with that. So we try and tailor that training program to encourage that background knowledge, um, but 
then give them the exposure to what makes this different from that previous experience. Um, a lot of the times it's, it's remembering that um, you are dealing with a live animal, and so things are, are time sensitive. <laughs> um, but um, it really is an amazing process to see people come in, find the same passion that you have, um, and understand the, the process um, more fully. Yeah, how do you make people fall in love with aquaculture? What's not to love? <laughs> you can't, I mean, how can you not love it? Um, it's, I, you can't make someone fall in love with it. It is farming at the end of the day. So, um, you know, for all that we talk about the technology and um, the sustainability that um, can come from this development, um, it is, it, it's farming and you have to really love it. Um, when from the get-go and um you know people come into it and they can love different facets of it um and then you get crazy people like me that are just in love with the whole process um and and uh you know can't get enough so that actually just reminded me of um a part of your presentation um which was community outreach and how are you going about doing that because um obviously kind of um, selling a part of selling this business model to the site locations is kind of getting the community involved. And what is what has been your approach to that process? We were really strategic um, in the site selection process. Um, we were not just looking for where we could operate successfully. We wanted to find a community that wanted us there. Um, and that saw what benefit we might bring. Um, and we did find that in Jonesport. Um, as I said, people saw the benefits that um, our project could have to the community, um, ways that we could collaborate and work together. Um, and I think that that's so a, a first and important starting point. Then it's just getting to know that community for what it is, what's important to them, how they govern themselves, um, who who actively participates in their um, in their government processes, um, where their priorities lie. Um, we know that our our community is. Um, very focused on their school and, and the education, the quality of education that they provide to their kids. So that's how we got involved with um, the high school in terms of adding some aquaculture curriculum. Um, and it's in hearing and responding to the community wants and needs that um, you can find your place. Okay, that school program sounds really interesting. Um, yeah, and what are the other ideas that you um, what are the other avenues where you've been able to do the community outreach? Are you doing open houses or are you doing attending town halls? How do you do that? Um, we we have done a, a coffee with kingfish um, okay. session. So um, there's really one gathering spot in Jonesport um, where folks go and, go and grab breakfast sandwiches or, or coffees in the morning. And we've tried to make ourselves available um, as much as possible there. Just sat down, casual, um, which is sometimes less intimidating than a town hall meeting, although we've had plenty of those as well. Um, sometimes folks aren't 
they don't want to stand up in front of a crowd and talk about, you know, or, or ask a question. Um, and uh, we've had a lot of interaction with the community, um, just sitting down and having informal conversations. And I think that's um, a really important part. The, the other events that we've done have included library sessions where we talk not just about kingfish, but about RAS technology in general. Um, you have to remember that we're introducing not just our company, but RAS in general. Um, and, you know, what a tank looks like. Where does the water go? Where does it come from? Um, how do you filter it? Where are the fish in all of this? Are they in all of it? Are they, you know, they, and for a lot of people, they've never even seen it. So um, it's, it's telling the story of the whole industry, not just ours. That's very fascinating. And I'm sure every, every operator has sort of their own ideas, and it's always nice to kind of share um, what has worked and what has not worked. So if anyone else wants to do a coffee with, <laughs> it sounds like a great idea. Yeah. It worked for you. <laughs> um, so I just want to wrap up this episode with some last thoughts. Um, originally, this was, was going to be a like a quick fire, but I also didn't want to cut people off whenever they answer <laughs> these questions because um, I, I feel that everyone is always interested in these. So um, yeah, what is the best advice you've ever received? Never stop learning because it, it doesn't ever stop. And especially in this industry, there is so much to take in that every day will be different. What advice would you give to your younger self? <laughs> it's always a funny one. Um, yeah, just get involved as much as you can. I mean, I, I, looking back, I hope that I, I knew that at the time. But if not, you know, um, just to, to follow it wherever it's going to lead you, whether it's to the Netherlands, to West Coast Canada, and back again. Yeah, I think you can kind of have to be fearless in the industry in terms of like moving and kind of finding where your opportunities are going to be because you never know where it is it sounds like. Well you talk to some of the people that have been in this industry for a long time and um, they're some of the most well-traveled um, <laughs> cultured people because they've <laughs> lived all over the place you know you literally follow the fish. Follow the fish that's good advice. <laughs> follow the fish. Um, favorite fish pun or joke? <laughs> oh gosh I'll have to think about that one and come back to you um, lately lately it's been said you know bigger fish to fry quite often <laughs> it's a useful one yes <laughs> what, what, when was the last time you used that oh when something breaks <laughs> it's always it's not that big of a deal there are bigger fish to fry <laughs> yes exactly well thank you so much for being a part of the podcast thank you for sitting down with me um i'm sure everybody else who's going to be listening to this um is going to be soaking in all your wisdom and all of your um very intelligent and um very passionate answers so thank you so much for your story and for sharing it Thank you so much for doing this series. I think it's a really important one. Another episode is in the books. And as always, our show notes with links, photos, and more extras can be found on our website, aquaculturenorthamerica.com women. I want to quickly mention our virtual summit, which will be taking place on September 8th of this year. 
The Women in North American Aquaculture Summit, or WINAS, is free and open for everyone. We have a great schedule planned for the day, so register now on our website and stay up to date as we start to announce our speakers soon. If you want to support this podcast, please share this with everyone in your network, all the social media channels that you want. And please join us in thanking our program sponsor, Merck Animal Health. Together, we can ensure welfare and sustainability for aquatic species. And I really mean it. Without Merck, this women's program would not exist. And if you want to help support us, please let them know and tell them that you want to see this program keep going. We want to continue bringing more of these stories and one year is just not enough time. So please let them know. Thanks again for listening and I hope to see you soon.